Jinga Lede. Uh, we're going fantastic here and uh, we're very excited to be listening to um, a bit more about what you've been talking, discussing about. Last week we uh, talked about the classic view of the, the, the second coming of Jesus and we talked yes. also about the popular view at the moment, which is the rapture view. And mm -hmm. uh, you're going to expand on those um, a, a bit more as we've been going through and just seeing uh, what does it really mean? Uh, what does yes. the second coming of Christ entail? What does it mean? Why, why is it in a particular way? And uh, and and how those views don't quite line up, maybe. Yeah. Now, um, thank you very much. I think we 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 discussed we've done now. I think it's two series uh, on on the question, and uh, we started by looking at the text in relation to uh, the second coming, and then we. Uh, we looked at the three views that were there. We looked at there's a classic, the classical view. Classic view is the view that the church has held for, uh, you know, uh, let's say, you know, 1800 uh, years um, or 18th century. And then uh, showed up uh, another view, which is uh, the rapture view. And also the uh, preterism uh, had showed up a bit earlier than, um, than the rapture view. So we've got classic view of the second coming and then there's a rapture view and there's a preterism view and so we discussed those those views uh at least the rapture view we didn't really go into details with, about preterism uh, because the question that was posed was about rapture uh yes. so uh, so that we looked at the rapture view and the fundamental text upon which it was set and we discussed that uh to say that the uh, Oliver discourse in mark and the um, First Thessalonian uh, correspondence uh, of the Apostle Paul, uh, those were the two fundamental texts. And those who hold on to the rapture view, the text, the fundamental text for the rapture view is the First Thessalonian uh, chapter 4, the correspondence that the uh, Apostle Paul write to the Thessalonian church. Mm. So we looked at those things. And so we concluded in that first session that there was, apart from looking at the word apantesis, which is the meeting a dignitary, a returning dignitary to his domain, which is what the Salonian correspondent says, we shall meet the Lord in the year, uh, meet the Lord in a cloud. Now, the use of the term cloud in the year uh, has been basically throughout, we will read as we continue to read this text, you know, Jesus himself used the terminology when the Son of Man come upon the clouds. So the meeting the Lord, which is then been viewed as rapture is the word apantesis. So you can do your, you know, exegetical analysis of the way the terminology is used within Greek literature uh, of the time and within the biblical uh, Greek. Uh, and then you find out that it's not a, a particular uh, term uh, that would mean being raptured and taken up in the air in any way. Apantesis just simply meant the meeting of, you know, uh, a, a dignitary who's returning to his rightful domain by, you know, some of his officials. So in that sense, if apantesis is understood that way, there is no reason to analyze the Apostle Paul's correspondence, the first correspondence to the Thessalonian, in any other light but in the light of the Olivet Discourse. Unless one starts to pull that particular text out of the Olivet, you know, out of the context of the Olivet Discourse. And we did say that it has been 
a big mistake that people think that somehow the apostle will say things that were not part of the things that actually the Lord taught. Within the text itself, it says, I am actually saying to you this as the words of the Lord. So, you know, I did give um, a number of examples about uh, what is called the tradition. You know, the tradition is these particular sayings. Remember when Apostle Paul writing to the, to the Thessalonians, you know, the all, you know, all the Gospels, uh, you know, were not all fully, you know, finished and written uh, in that sense or had not been disseminated as the way they were apart from. Uh, some scholars believe that the writing of Luke were already, you know, in the hands of the uh, Apostle Paul right? because Luke and Paul were companions. Uh, so in that sense, but most of the things that were the John wrote or Matthew wrote or Mark wrote, were things that were already known. The tradition was being passed on. That's why Paul says in First Corinthians chapter 11, I pass unto you what I received from the Lord. Where, where did he receive? He received the tradition. It was passed on to him. So when he says in Thessalonians that I'm passing unto you that which comes from the Lord, it doesn't mean that simply the Holy Spirit somehow showed up and gave me revelation, which is sometimes how people you know, try to understand these things. No, not necessarily that way. Now, so we did that. And then uh, I said, so at the, at the conclusion of that s session, I said, there is no reason to impose upon the Thessalonian text any other meaning outside of the Olivet Discourse. If one does that, one would have done just what is called eisegesis. So you basically implant into, you read into the text what the text is not our job as reader of scripture and 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 student of scripture is to get out of the text what the text really says rather than plant a meaning into the text so we don't plant something into the text we get something out of the text so what the text say and you must analyze it within the broader discourse so you start with the words of jesus when he's talking about his second coming and it is from that standpoint it is the fundamental text from which we can then uh, deduce all the rest of our doctrine of last things. Mm. Now, so that was a way of basically bringing uh, everybody up to speed. Last time we talked about the purpose of the second coming. I gave a number of points which I can read uh, quickly. I'm not going to uh, uh, open them up. The second coming served to gather the church. Matthew 24, 29 to 31, uh, Jesus said that when after the tribulation, he will gather his elect. And, and so you can see that within the framework of what Jesus lays out, even in Matthew 24, the gathering of the elect, not the elect that somehow got left behind and then realized that, no, well, were they elect or not? Or those who never gave their life to Christ, but now they get given up. Those things are now implanted in the text in relation to the, the reading of First, First Thessalonians with a pre- uh, preset conclusion about rapture, then you come here and start to read into this text see what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus says that there will be tribulation, then he will gather his elect. Mm, so yeah. there's a two-second category of elect here. So the purpose of the second coming is to gather the elect, and this happens after the tribulation. Jesus says it. Yeah. Not pre-tribulation. Uh, I'm sorry to, to, to uh, no, I'm not sorry, but I'm saying those who hold on to the rapture view will have to reread this text and try to say what it doesn't plainly say. Mm. So, number two, the second coming of Christ will be for the purpose of judging all people. And that's when the, the entire full garment of resurrection happened. 
resurrection for the dead, transformation of those still alive, and the dead means those dead in Christ, and dead, those who are dead in their sins to face judgment. Matthew mm. chapter 16, verse 27 says that, and uh, even Apostle Paul backs it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to verse 5. So we've, we've read those texts, and we've also read Jude uh, verse 14 and 15. Yeah, and, and one of the things, it. one of the things that you were saying too was, you know, that um, uh, it's it's a psychological thing because if people are thinking that they're going to be raptured before the tribulation, they won't be prepared for what the tribulation is going to be like. Whereas those who hold the traditional view um, will be prepared that there's going to be hard times to go through before Christ comes back. Yeah, that was actually my biggest concern. I'm done, mm. you know, whenever somebody's all the, you know, uh, uh, you know, pre-trib or uh, rapture view, um, and often they hold it with such force, that it, it sounds as though if you didn't hold that view, it is a salvation matter. So I always ask them, hey, is, do you think if somebody doesn't believe that there's going to be rapture, uh, you know, before the tribulation hit, that they're not going to be saved? Well, they have good enough sense to say, well, no, that's not the case, because you left that to define your soteriology in some ways. So, <clears throat> pardon me, if it's not a salvation matter, then the person who believes in rapture will be raptured if there is rapture. No problem. The person who doesn't believe that the reading of that text is correct will still be raptured. They're a Christian. They're believing in Jesus. That's all good. However, the person who holds the rapture view uh, is not as uh, psychologically prepared yeah. uh, in case there is no pre-tribulation rapture. Hmm. And because they're thinking, oh, before things get really bad, I'll be gone. So my concern is not a salvation issue, just simply the psychological preparedness. It might end up with, you know, if you are not prepared, now you're starting to be, you know, tribulation, there's the mark of the beast, and so on and so forth. Ah, could that lead into, well, give in because you were not psychologically prepared? You know, the apostles knew that they would be persecuted. Jesus told them that you'll be arrested, you'll be beaten up, things will happen. This is why when Stephen is being stoned, he, he knew what to expect. He was there knowing, oh, this was announced that it will happen. Lord, I'm happy to come to you. I'm giving my life into your hands. Stephen was martyred right there. Mm. Apostle Paul used to say, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. They were not like, okay, one day, no, we're not going to die. I mean, when, it, when it hits, we, we will be taken. No, no. So in that sense, it's just my personal concern that, you know, holding so tight unto the pre-tribulation rapture view might end up with, uh, you know, some psychological consequences. Now, let me just uh, finish these two points quickly before then we can, uh, you, you know, we, we sort of our, our listeners may may uh, may uh, take a bit of a quick, quick break there. There you go. Now, the third point I made uh, was that the classic view uh, hold that the second coming is the occasion of the resurrection of the dead. Okay, I made that point. And then finally, I said that the um, the second coming of the Lord is to finish the work of redemption. Remember, Apostle Paul said that our body awaits for the redemption, redemption of our body. Our spirit is being redeemed. Our soul is being renewed by the following of God's word and, and uh, letting our mind be transformed, let the mind of Christ grow in us. That's what's happening right now. But then we wait for the redemption of our body. So those are the reasons for the second coming. So that's that's what we've done the last two sessions. I always like to bring people up to speed. I hope that that's a blessing. 
Yes, that is a blessing. So we're just going to um, listen to a, a great song from uh, from the, the lovely selection that uh, Ray always, always comes up with on a Sunday and, and then we'll come back and talk about this all a little bit more. Listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and you're with Alita Robinson and Samuel Chisichetti, and we are continuing on our series of End Times. And Samuel, we've just done a bit of a summary of what we've learned over the last couple of weeks, and you're going to continue on with uh, expanding on those thoughts. Yes. Now, um, now I wanted at least as, as a point of. Um, uh, just uh, I don't I don't say disclaimer, but you know recognizing or quoting. Um, you know, one of my heroes, uh, Bill Craig, uh, is, has done an extensive uh, teaching on these materials uh, in uh, his Defenders class. Uh, so Bill uh, William Len Craig, his name we call Bill Craig. Uh, Bill is one of the most uh, for me is one of the most respected theologian of our days, and uh, and also a philosopher. And so uh, some of the uh, the the points in the material I'll read. You know, Bill put it so well that I you know I, I thought you know what you know I, I, I'll, I'll look at you know basically giving some of these points the way Bill exactly gave it. So if you want mm. to know more. Uh, William Lane Craig does uh, defenders on reasonable faith. Um, very, very brilliant, very smart. Um, I read Bill all the time. If I, I, I want to admit when I, I there's a, there's a question. I'm like, okay, um, I want to find out views that are around. Who's got which, which views? Uh, not that I agree with Bill in, in all things. There are things that I don't agree with Bill. For example, is is um, 
Uh, don't, so his, his um, uh, you know, understanding of the baptism of the Spirit and the uh, re- receiving the Holy Spirit at, at conversion. Uh, so I have a, a different point of view on those. Uh, you know, I've got a different point of view with him on some matters of, you know, creation and the beginning of time, uh, those kind of things. But, you know, I don't want to get into what I, I have different views with him. But I'll say that I'll, I'll go and want to listen to him. I want to listen to, you know, uh, um, some who hold, uh, you know, the rapture view as well. So you got to listen to either side. When I was talking about preterism, I did mention uh, anti right, uh, very well, uh, a scholar I respect a great, great deal. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do those so that you know that, okay, well, these are the people who actually hold these views. Now, let's talk about uh, the nature of, so I did talk about the purpose of the second coming uh, in a classic view, but here is the nature of the second coming, and I'm giving these points. Uh, I've not ordered them uh, with a particular you know, sort of thought in mind, but I want you to at least see that uh, these points are very important. Let's start with uh, number one: the return of Christ uh, will be glorious. Mm. All right? It will yeah. not be a hidden event; it will be a glorious return. Uh, so it will be um, uh, a, a, a glorious event. You know, when you you see the way the Lord came. Uh, the first first coming, Isaiah tells us that he had nothing to attract our our, our you know uh, attention. You know, he came out like a tender shoot of David, you know, and so on and so forth. It was a very humble entrance. Uh, the incarnation was a very humble entrance of the Lord in in the affairs of men. But the second coming will not be that way. Uh, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Uh, this is what the Lord says. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Matthew 24, verse 30. And then all the tribes of earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. There is a term. Mm-hmm. On the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. You can uh, catch this particular uh, thought process in the gospel as well uh, in Mark. Mark chapter 14, uh, verse 61-62 gives us the same thought. Um, you know, it, it's, let me see. You've got your Bible over there, Alida. If, uh, yeah. if you're flipping. Uh, I'm so flipping through grab, it. <laughs> yes, can you grab Mark chapter 14, verse 61-62 for us? And just read it uh, in, in your version there. Let's see. 61 and 62. But Jesus yes. remained silent and gave no answer. Is that the one? And uh, again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, yes. said Jesus. And you will see mm. the Son of Man sitting at the mm. right hand of the Mighty mm. One and coming mm. on the clouds of heaven. Coming on the clouds of heaven. Have you seen the clouds? Clouds being repeated. When Apostle Paul was talking about clouds, it's not that he just simply pulled it out of thin air. This is the Lord's language. And this is the moment that actually the high priest tore his clothes mm. and got so upset. He said, well, now what more are we waiting? He just said that he's the Messiah that is going to come back with glory upon the clouds. So there you go. And um, so that gives you uh, the sense that 
this is going to be a glorious coming it's not going to come hiding it's going to come in plain view and we will talk about that you know one further um text that you may want we just give it to our listeners real quick uh we may not need to read it that's revelation uh apocalypses if you will is revelation chapter 1 verse 7 uh which basically uh you know is an echo remember this was written by apostle john and he was having the revelation but he wrote what was written uh behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him everyone who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him even so a man have you noticed that you've got the clouds clouds being repeated i did say that we will see this over and over again and apostle john is just echoing again what the lord had himself said that he will return with glory upon the clouds are you with me yeah, and every eye will see him. It's not that, uh, every that only one portion, yeah. like it's not just going to be Australia or the United States, but it's going to be the whole no. world will see him all yeah. at once. And it does not give you an indication of a snatching out uh, of people who are unaware. You know, when you've looked at all these series on, you know, Left Behind or, you know, all the people who have tried to sort of give you a bit of a picture of a rapture view, you know, it's like just people, even <laughs> they actually leave in their physical clothes. They're just disappeared and, yeah, and they right. go yeah it's yeah. it's quite rather interesting you know just like you're 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 in the plane one of one 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 was quite a bit fun, funny and tragic it was i'm not laughing at it i'm just simply it's the way the view is presented uh that you know people are on an aircraft and the pilot just simply got raptured the captain and the the uh his assistant got yeah, raptured. the co-pilot co yeah and the plane crashes there you go. Mm. So now there's no pilot on his plane. No. And so it's it's quite dramatic too. It's sort of, you know, there was no no announcement. Uh, there was no, you would know when it's, but now it just simply ruptured, you're gone. And so that's the way the view is presented there. Now the second coming of the Lord will be glorious and every eye will see, all the tribes of the earth will wail upon it. I'll talk about the, the objections and then you see exactly how the, the objections go. Now, uh, so that was uh, point number what? Um, I gave you first point was that it will be glorious, yeah? Yes. Uh, the second point is that it will be a decisive event. It will be an event with no parallel. This event will be the end of human history. It will be basically just the curtains are pulled. I like the way one of my uh, heroes as well, um, uh, Greg Cockle, says it. He says, when he comes... You know, the curtains shall be pulled down. This, you know, the drama is over. You know, the king has entered. You know, that's, that's how, that's how, that's how uh, you know, uh, Greg uh, portrays it. And so this is, you know, a, a, a very, very decisive event. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 to 24. Uh, this is um, uh, how Apostle Paul in his uh, uh, Corinthian correspondence, the first Corinthian correspondence, uh, this is what Apostle Paul writes, for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ first fruit, then it is coming, it is second coming, mm. those who belong to Christ, then comes the end. Right? Yes. Then comes the end. When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority. So you can see that when 
at the coming of the Lord, that's the end. That's there is not going to be any feather, you know, going anywhere between. No, no, oh, we taken up and some continue to leave until, no, no. When he shows up, that's the end of history. The curtain is pulled. The drama is over. The king has entered the room. Yes. Wow. Now, uh, <laughs> so, uh, point number four, uh, the coming of the Lord will be a sudden and unexpected uh, event. It will be an event that people, and uh, this is about the timing. This is the timing. The timing of the event will be unexpected. And Jesus said ways of saying this. Uh, he took the analogy of the Noah uh, in uh, entering the ark. Uh, that was the that was the picture that the Lord took. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 24, 37 to 44. Uh, he said people were, uh, uh, they were, they were, uh, you know, they were warned. Yes. Uh, it's like right now, people are being warned that the Lord is coming. Mm. Who is coming is imminent. And, but people didn't pay attention to Noah's, you know, supplications. Noah, you know, besought them and, and he, he, he implored them, hey, look, this catastrophic event is going to come and nobody believed him. Yes. I, I, I don't know if you've got your Bible. Actually, it's, you know, you were reading. I like the way you read the scriptures. It's really nice. You've got your, you know, the prose. Uh, if you grab Matthew 24, uh, verse 37, verse 44, and read it for us, it will be fantastic. Okay, Matthew 24. 37. 37, 2. Ah, yes. The day and hour unknown. No mm. one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, yeah. but only the Father. As it mm. was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the mm. day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Mm. This is how mm. it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men mm. will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women mm. will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep mm. watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Yeah. Now, you see, those who have uh, read the rapture theology after having read the Thessalonian, then they've come and read the word taken here as uh, an evidence of rapture. No, this is the moment of separation. Once the Lord arrives, there's going to be separation. I mean, he it, 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 it says that, you know, the, the, the axe will be at the root, the chaffs, will be separated from the grain. And so when that moment arrives, it uh. is the moment where those who are for Christ resurrected for the kingdom and those who are not in Christ will not will be therefore be judged. So that's yeah, the so there you've got the gathering of the elect from all points of the compass. That's the exactly yeah, right. So all the elect have been right taken at that point. Yes. That's there exactly you go. Right. See, that's my light bulb moment. Thank you, Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I could give you know more, more text there, but just in the interest of time, let me give you the last point. Uh, the last point is that the second coming of Christ will be a personal coming. Uh, the, it will come personally. That's where we're going to read uh, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. But I think it's better if we read it in the break. So after the break, uh, we can then read that particular All right. text. Yeah, that's great. So uh, we'll just listen to another song and then we'll come back and do that reading. So have your Bibles ready. 
back again, Samuel, and uh, we were just having a bit of a chuckle off air um, about light bulb moments. It is one of those things, isn't it, that sometimes you've looked at a a view in a particular way and then all of a sudden it's explained and it's like the puzzle pieces fall together and you think, oh, of course. Um, That's exactly exactly how it is and um, it just lines up so much better with, with what yeah. you've learnt and what the Bible has been saying rather than, as you say, yeah. inserting other ideas in yeah. that aren't actually exactly. in the text. That's exactly why. You've got to just stay faithful to the text. And as actually we went off of a uh, day we were chatting, I remember that when you look at the consistency uh, of which the apostles echoed what Jesus said, like on the point, that's the last point that we were making, like I was say, making that the point that the event would be unexpected. You don't have to go far. You go to First Thessalonians, Apostle Paul in that correspondence, chapter 5 from verse 1 to verse, verse 6, he also tells them, hey, look, we are not like all the others. We're not asleep. We are aware. So we need to be alert, you know, stay sober because you don't know. It will be sudden when the Lord appears. So I'm not going to read the text, but that's exactly what Apostle Paul says there in the same Thessalonian correspondence from chapter 5, verse 1 to 6. So, you know, the unexpectedness that Jesus echoed 
uh, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and 44, uh, a which lines up with you know the light bulb moment you said they yeah. like taken means Jesus gathers his elects yeah. because when he arrives the curtain is over there is no more history to continue no you know the the the, the curtain is down the drama is over he gathers his elects and the rest are going to face judgment that's the end of history right there mm. so there is we don't have to assume another coming another the two second comings you know like you know uh, rapture view and preterism does we don't have to assume those two so i was giving the last second point that which is that it's coming is going to be personal and we go back to the thessalonian correspondence where apostle paul first thessalonians chapter 4 13 to 15 where paul says but we would not have had you ignorant brothers concerning those who are asleep, those who are dead, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And for this we declare that you, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Can you see that? Yeah. This is the moment where the resurrection happened. So those who have died in Christ are now, you know, they are in that particular state of being asleep, as the scripture says. So we're not going to precede them. Rapture is not going to happen just for those who are alive. The resurrection happened once. Yeah. Resurrection for those in Christ and those who are not in Christ, Apostle Paul has made this point clear over and over again. If you if you say that rapture is going to happen just pre-tribulation for those who are on earth, so they don't, you have to assume that there's going to be two resurrections. Yeah. Uh, and so two second coming, two resurrections. Mm. And so I mean, you have to plug all this stuff in the, in the text, and there, there's no way to argue that. And um, we've had that we've had this discussion before too. But um, I remember you saying that you know in in all the centuries since Jesus. Uh, went back into into heaven um yes. christians have been persecuted and have been persecuted in horrendous ways why why should we this generation or the generation just before the second coming um, why should yes. that generation miss out on the sort of tribulation and persecution that other christians have faced all through the centuries what makes uh, this generation yeah. so special so again that's that's inserting inserting something into the text that isn't there yeah, yeah, exactly. I was also going to look, you know, look at the uh, Acts of the Apostle, chapter one, verse eleven, uh, where um, you know the angels who were there at Jesus' ascension. They, they, this is what the angels told the disciples that day: "This Jesus who was taken up into heaven will come the same way as you saw him go into heaven." Mm. See, he went. They, everybody was there. They saw him go, like everybody would see him come. And he's already himself said that all tribes, all eyes will see him. So his second coming will be glorious. His second coming will be uh, decisive. His second coming will be unexpected. And his second coming will be personal. Uh, it is going to be an event that everybody will not be mistaken about. Now, here are the few objections that those who hold onto the rapture view, uh, you know, you know, throw um, around in terms of, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the classic view, the thing that, okay, why the classic view, uh, you know, says that, you know, it's the, the second coming is one event and the rapture view is 
setting two events in the second coming. And um, so that is not what scripture holds. So the objection is, hey, look, you know, the second coming is one event. And if you're going to believe in any other view than the classic view, you have to believe in two events, right? Mm, so yeah. those old interruptive, you say, well, that's no problems. You know, we, we can believe in two events. And here's for the reasons, the reasons why they think, you know, believing a, a pre-tribulation rapture uh, as two events uh, is not confusing. It's just okay. Here's the rationale. The rationale is well, consider that a Jewish rabbi living in 200 years before Christ uh, was told that, you know, Jesus was going to come and, and then he is coming will entail a second coming. That particular uh, rabbi would have said, well, no, 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 no. Uh, the Lord will come. There is the coming of the Messiah. Is undoubtedly was predicted uh, for him to come once. Even though, with hindsight, when you look back, you know you can read that Jesus uh, uh, coming had been predicted as a you know the suffering servant. You know Isaiah fifty three, Isaiah twelve. Uh, you know, and then the text in Daniel. So, in the same way, you can get multiple coming in a clue indicating. You know, indicated in in scripture um so you can basically you know get a bit of few hints here and there and now but but isn't that because the jews they thought the messiah was going to come once and that was going to establish a kingdom on earth they didn't understand that that the messiah was in fact going to die and there was going to be a period of time and then then uh, he would he would come at the end of time they didn't quite fully understand that did they yeah, yeah, and that's the point the uh, rapture view uh, pr proponent are making. They're like, well, you know, right now Christians are expecting one second coming. You know, the same way the Jews uh, was waiting for one coming, uh -huh. right? Okay, yes. Yeah. That's their point. The point yeah. is, they, hang on a minute. What's your objection? The Jews were waiting for one coming and they are, they've been two. You, we waiting for one coming. There may be two, you know, mm. and, and so... They, they, they say with hindsight, we can see, okay. Yeah. Hindsight means you look through scriptures and you can see that actually the first coming was announced that it was going to be a suffering servant. So I get the point. I like to always be fair when I'm yeah. assessing somebody's point. Yeah, just be yeah. fair. Yeah. And so, um, so they gave some text, let's say, for example, Revelation chapter 4, uh, Revelation chapter 22, Revelation 2, chapter 2, chapter 3, you read, who is here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, as to say, well, the Spirit is saying something within here that may be, you know, something that the Lord hadn't said, you know. If anyone is here, let him hear. That's what the text says. But there is conspicuous difference between the two statements. So, for example, when you read the first one, it says, let he who is here, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation yeah. 2 7. Revelation it's he who has seven, ears, seven. let him hear. Yeah. yeah. It says, let he who has ears, let he hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Yeah. The church is mentioned there. Mm -hmm. And then, then when you go further, let he who has hear, hear. It doesn't mention the church. No. So, two things to say here. The building, the case for rapture, based on the omission of the word church thing. And to say, well, since he didn't say church, that means the church won't be there. Well, hang on a minute. The text doesn't uh, say that. 
Okay. You are yes, inserting. I see what you mean. Yeah. That's it. Mm. The text doesn't say it. You are inserting it. They're saying it's a hint. Okay, yeah. but where did you get the idea of that hint being inserted? You had gone back to First Thessalonians chapter four. That's where I've I, I've I've had these discussions. The fundamental text for rapture view starts with First Thessalonians, mm. and it's the First Thessalonian correspondence that then start to get them to insert everything that they can. Oh, look, the church wasn't mentioned here. It means the church is no longer there. Or what is the spirit continuing to speak now to those who, after the rapture? You know, are they God's elect? Were they saved, unsaved? You know, and so you have to you know, plug this thing in. I'm not going to sort of take point by point because there's it's a lot there to cover, but I'm going to take the a salient one, second yeah. one, which is, hey, well, the first coming turned up into two, yeah, and the second coming will be two, two. Now, the fact that the second coming turned up into two does not necessarily follow that the second coming will be turning into two second coming unless the text says so. Mm. The reason why the Jews didn't get it, they did not properly read the scripture. Yeah, now, well, they the obviously didn't fully understand, did they? Yeah, not only they didn't read it properly every time Jesus was with them, yeah. he said, here's what the text say, here's what the text say, here's what the his argument was so strong that the people who were with him could not rebuttal those arguments yes. scripturally. Yes. And he used to say to them, we don't understand scripture and the power of God in scripture. So Jesus didn't say, hey, look, you know, just believe since this happened. No, no. What the uh, rapture view here is saying, look, while the first one became two, there is no reason why the second one couldn't be two. Well, no. The second one became to, it was announced that it would be, and the people to whom it was announced did not understand scriptures. Now, it is your job to prove to us who look at the classic view, who have analyzed the text with you, where we've gone wrong. Yes. That's it. Make yeah. the case so overwhelmingly that you can say the classic view has gone wrong here. Instead mm. of saying, well, it could just be two, because the people who were Jews, Jews in that time, you know, they did not know whether it was going to be, they didn't expect it would be two. They were expecting one and then it became two. Yeah, well, well they're, really only second, they're really only second guessing though, aren't they? They, they haven't really yeah. got anything concrete. Yeah. So in that sense, just to take the most salient point, if somebody's got more points, I'll be happy to address them. There are many, but time is not really on our side in that sense. So uh, that's the first claim which we've looked at. And we'll look at the second claim as a rebuttal to the classic view in a moment. All right. We will be back in a few moments after this song to, uh, to wrap this up for today. Back to the woods, man. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Yeah, wash is white as snow. Oh, the blood of Jesus 
105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are on the last part of our uh, session for today, our program for today. And Samuel, you're you're going through some of the um, the points that have been made around the rapture um, theology or the, the, the rapture idea. Um, so yeah. rather than wasting too much time, go for it. Yeah, yeah so uh, as the point I was making, I said that you know, uh, the rapture view is built on First Thessalonians, for example. Uh, those who are proponents of a rapture view, I was going to give their argument through and through. But here's one more salient point uh, before I take the second claim, uh, which is, pardon me, that there are repeated allusions to the church being spared from the tribulation. For instance, First Thessalonians, I was like, as I said, for instance, I'm like, of course it's going to be First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 4 verse 18 to 18 you have to already assume that that text is about rapture to then continue first Thessalonians uh, 4 13 to 18 um and then he describes uh, in first Thessalonians chapter 5 1 to 9 text that i also have read here so in this chronological terms it implies that uh you know that god's people um, no, the church will be raptured before the tribulation. Well, no, you're reading it into the text. Yeah. It's not there. Paul writes, you know, according to those who hold a rapture view, for God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why do you understand this? God has not destined us for wrath as it's your know, tribulation, physical tribulation. Well, wrath is the wrath of God that will fall upon the ungodly. And actually, the term Paul uses is salvation. Yeah. Now, salvation didn't mean to save us from physical torment no. or physical pain. Salvation is the salvation of the soul of the elect. Mm. So it's as though, you know, those who hold on to the rapture view think that that text is really so rapture, it's not funny. But the classic view, hang on a minute, salvation, we know what that is. Right. We know what Sotorio is. So there is not just, you know, plugging in some of the meaning of salvation as though salvation had multiple meaning, including just the salvation of the physical body from being, being beaten up and tortured. 
or when it says God is going to spare us from the wrath. Yes, through our salvation, we've been spared from the wrath of God that will fall upon the ungodly. Yes. So it, it, there is no other way. You have to basically, you know, isogetically impose that thing in the text. And so uh, in that sense, they, um, you know, it, it, it just doesn't fly. So, okay, no. we, we go past that one just because time, I could say more and more about it, but I want to say the first Thessalonian correspondence, chapter four, uh, from 13 all the way to chapter five, verse one, all the way to nine, it does not support the rapture view unless you assume it into the text. Yeah, and I think uh, from my perspective, because I have been brought up on the rapture view as well, <laughs> um, is that once you actually see where that error is, you can actually mm. line everything else up and it's not confusing mm -hmm. anymore. You don't read a double yes. meaning in it or a different meaning. It actually is yeah, very consistent. Yeah. And that's what yeah, I'm finding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So... Um, now, the response to the uh, the claim that I've just made here, there are two key passages about rapture also. Uh, the two key passages about rapture mentions the trumpet, right? Which is mm. the big event. You know, the, and so you've got the first Thessalonian correspondence there, chapter 4, verse 16. And then there is the first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. In fact, in uh, Corinthians 15, 52 states that the rapture will occur at the last trumpet. The last trumpet of the book of Revelation occurs at the end of the tribulation. Now, uh, the, the error here is that you can see rapture is already assumed. Therefore, the categorization of trumpets uh, becomes uh, the issue. Jesus, in his uh, uh, Oliver Discourse, uh, he didn't even say there will be many trumpets. He just simply, at the sound of the trumpet, the Son of Man will come upon the cloud, he gather the elect. And so, even if you're going to read the book of Revelation and try to categorize the trumpets, you cannot suddenly now plant in there between the first and the second trumpet, uh, there's going to be rapture because the text doesn't actually say rapture unless you assume it in the text. So I'm saying that once you have uh, dismantled the, the first text that is the assumption upon which rapture is built, all the other things that are presented as justification for the rapture fall. Jesus did not say to us how many trumpets there shall be. I said at the sound of the trumpet, the coming of the Lord will be imminent, will be, you know, personal, will be glorious. Every eye will say it and he will gather the elect then. Mm. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So we don't have to bicker over the trumpets at all. Um, now, uh, the other claim is the one I presented earlier, which was that this claim... Um, that uh, the rapture view is just simply a recent thing, you know. Uh, it's a wishful thinking uh, it, it, for a comfortable, you know, um, uh, comfortable mentality, 21st century Christian. You yeah. know, it was propounded by John Darby. Yeah, we're so soft. Uh, <laughs> we are very soft and squishy, us poor Christians. Uh, <laughs> it was propounded by John Darby in 1827. And it was not considered before by the, the apostles in the church found. So in response to that, uh, here's what, um, you know, the, those who hold the rapture view uh, respond. It says, first, this is not historically the case. If you can read some of the, you know, uh, historical uh, scholars, you know, of Christian history, uh, they reckon that as early as 1687, a gentleman called Peter Jurieu, uh, in his book, Approaching Deliverance of the Church, 
written in 1887 before John Darby taught that Christ would come in the air to rapture the saints and return to heaven before the battle of Armageddon. He spoke of a secret rapture prior to his coming in glory and judgment at Armageddon. So they're making the case that, yeah, this view had, had been there before John Darby, uh, more than, a, you know, uh, a, a, a thousand years before uh, John Darby had uh, taken this view. This view was also propounded in what is known to be pseudo-Ephraim, 4th and 5th century AD. It spoke of the saints being removed from the earth and taken to be with the Lord prior to judgment of the tribulation. And so in looking at that from a grammatical historical hermeneutic, uh, which was not largely used prior to the 18th century when John Darby starts to do this, we can therefore see why the classic view does not include this point. Well, I don't think so. I beg to differ. <laughs> you beg to differ, yeah. <laughs> I beg to differ. Yeah. I beg to differ why. I'll give you reasons. First of all, by saying that John Darby uh, is the person who propounded this, John Darby, with his view, and as it then ended up being espoused, espoused by the, you know, Schofield Reference Bible, or, you know, espoused by uh, the Dallas uh, Theological Seminary, it is from John Darby that this view became very popular. Mm. But we didn't say that John Darby just simply concocted this out of thin air. John Darby had read that from somewhere, from, you know, the people before him. That's when John Darby didn't say, well, just I got a revelation from heaven. Well, we would have had good reason to dismiss it. Because whatever revelation you get from heaven that is not backed up by a good read, of, a good analysis of scripture should be dismissed. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as very simple as that. Anybody who comes and says, God told me this, like, okay, well, back it by scripture. No, 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 don't worry about scripture. Just God told me this, dismissed. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. what is going to stop anybody to come and say, well, I'm Jesus who's coming back. You know, you know, the revelation was given to me. Like Moon, uh, San Myung Moon did that. You know, yes. we've had in places like the Congo where I'm born, my uncle did that. You know, my uncle was Jesus, you know. So this kind of special revelation that is not backed up by scripture should be dismissed immediately. Yes. So if John Darby had come up and said, well, it's personal revelation, dismissed. But he said that it was scripture because he'd read his predecessors. So this is, this is a false accusation on the part of those who, 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 who hold on to the rapture view. But let's see if we go further. Well, over the church history, people have held all sorts of views. You know, do you remember the view that Jesus was just, you know, a man that got elevated to the divine status? That, yeah. oh, Jesus was the first creation of God. This was held, I mean, councils were held. People have held all sorts of views. Uh, you know, the fact that Jesus was not 100% man, 100% God, uh, these views were held. If somebody took that view that had happened in the past and start propounding it now and people start to accept it, we shall judge each view based on its scriptural merit. So the uh, the classical view has got a lot of merit upon the way it is built scripturally. It's not, we're saying that just don't drive it, started this, this early to say, well, was, you know, the apostles and all the church fathers wrong in their reading of scripture? Well, we find no reason to believe so. That's the point. Mm -hmm. We're not saying dismiss it because it comes so, it, it comes this, this late. That would not be an argument. You don't dismiss a point of view just because of the way people came to espouse it, it would be what is called the genetic fallacy. The genetic fallacy is dismissing a view 
just because how people came to view it, uh, to, to espouse it. We're not committing a genetic fallacy here. We're saying that the John Darby's view is, is, a, is a very recent view and it is not backed properly by a careful reading of scripture. Yeah. Now yeah. that is the way to dismiss that view. Okay. So mm -hmm. that's, 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 that's what, what we're saying here. Just to look at those assailant view uh, point. I haven't looked at all of them. I looked at just those that were the most important here. And so that we can basically uh, come to the conclusion of this particular series. I hope that it has blessed those who have uh, listened to us. Uh, you know, we, we looked at the text. I want to say to you again, it is the Olivet Discourse, the words of the Lord himself that determines the parousia, that determines the apocalypse. Uh, you know, the is coming and the end of time, the doctrine of last things has got the fundamental text is the word of the Lord. And it is, those words are echoed by his apostles. Yeah. Don't come and plant something else that the apostle would have had that then we're not in the word of the Lord in the Olivet Discourse. That is not the way we approach this particular hermeneutical question. So in that sense, uh, I pray to God uh, as I'm closing that you may not be convinced by my argument and you hold on to the rapture view. There's no problem. But consider at least that if I could be right in the reading of the classical view, that you also be psychologically prepared in case rapture doesn't happen. Yes. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm psychologically prepared. If the rapture happened, oh, praise Jesus, I'm happy, I'm gone. If it doesn't happen, I'm conditioned to know that it's going to get so bad that if the Lord hadn't shortened it, even the elect would not be able to stand. Jesus said those words himself. Yes. So yes. I'd rather go, right, if there is no pre-trib uh, rapture, if it gets bad, I'm going to hold tight. I am, I, I'm, not, I'm not scared about physical torture. Will it be, I mean, I may be a bit fearful, Will I cry, but I will say like, 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 like the apostle, Lord, give me the strength to cross this. It's only my body. They're going to be torturing anyway. They're going yes. to touch my soul, my spirit. And so if I die, if at the end of that tribulation, if it's anger, like, you know, you've got the mark of the beast, you can't sell, you can't buy. Come on. Like, like it could be with, with hunger until you die. Yeah, you, it's, what is it? Like, if they're <laughs> going to be you know, flogging us, what exactly are they going to do that they've not done to the church before? That's my question. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, I hope I, I, that, uh, that, that those that have been listening to, uh, to this uh, series um, have got their interest peaked enough that they will go and they will search scriptures and they will also look for um, uh, you know, other people that are teaching on it and they will uh, get themselves a little more educated rather than just uh, take a, a view that has been inserted into the Bible. Um, yeah, or, yeah. or into the way we understand it. Thank you so much, That's Samuel, for uh, for expanding that for us. I'm I'm so pleased. I got the light bulb moment. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I do love those things. And uh, we'll see what uh, what questions we're going to face for next week. But until then, we uh, we wish all our, our listeners a blessed week, and we'll catch you all next Sunday.